Um, good morning, sir. It's uh, 11.21 here um, out in uh, Washington, the western side of the mountains, uh, in Skagit Valley, a little bit below uh, south of Bellingham. Um, and this morning, deciding where to go and and uh, when to go. Somebody in the organization there uh, decided they were going to pull out over half their orbs in the United States and go somewhere else. Okay, guys, welcome back to the Grand America Show. We're going to be chatting with Terry Ray a little bit later, talking uh, orange orbs, which I'm sure a lot of you are pretty excited for, uh, including Graham. Um, but yeah, speaking of which, Graham, don't tell me orbs aren't real. Dunlop, how's it going, buddy? Hey, Actually, you know what I was going to say? Invasion was, of the orange orbs. It was supposed to be Graham. Let's stop at a hundred episodes of Dunlop. Oh, yeah. Oh, that would be right now. This would be the last one. Yeah. Never, never going to stop now, buddy. No, this is the. Uh, this is an awesome episode. The invasion of, of the dies. orange orbs. See. I don't know. I don't think this guy's getting enough credit from the UFO community. I haven't heard it around enough. And I mean, he's done a lot of research on this one type of uh, sighting. It's yeah, awesome, I agree. I, I'll give him that. If any, if anyone should be embracing him, it should be the UFO community. Like they're talking about, look at how ufology is you know dead. And is. They it's need new ways to look at it and all this. Well, yeah. look, at, he is looked at it new ways. He's mapped out the fucking sightings all across uh, the U.S. Hey, what's going on, buddy? Clipping out too much. You get all excited and you clip out, so I'm adjusting the volume for your rage. Are you still recording? Yeah. Oh, You're fine. in rage mode tonight, so I have to turn down your mic. <clears throat> turn down the rage. 
turned so, out rage. So, hey, so it's because that's because the ufologists are shying away from the ETs. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. It's because he's come to a conclusion, which is interesting. So you'll hear all okay, about that. Okay, I turned that. you down so you can't adjust for it. You got to keep rage mode. Okay, okay. <laughs> I can't just keep rage mode the whole thing. Okay, so, but there's a couple local people I know that have seen these orange orbs in Calgary, west of Calgary. Like, uh, one guy saw them there just hovering in the air, and another guy's wife uh, that I just talked to saw them, like, four, I think four of them or something, like these huge orange uh, orb sort of fireballs just above the tree line. And uh, they were actually going to run them down. Did you get in touch them. with the other buddy? Yeah, that's who, yeah, oh, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah, so it's uh, so th- I I don't know. I think I'm going to go have to do some uh, orb hunting out west of Calgary here one night. I'm telling you, we got to build the crop circle, and we can fucking get the orbs. <laughs> you think It'll so? Be like an inside joke for a few thousand grand Americans. You're going to fake. They'll, the crop we'll circle. all know when this crop circle goes viral around the world. <laughs> it's not going to go. Viral. Only the grand Americans will know. <laughs> Well, Good luck with that. We got to make it badass if we wanted to go viral. We should start designing it now. Allegedly. Yeah, allegedly designing it. I uh, think you should just go into a meditative state and we just should make throw it a big QR. You. you think we could do a QR code that people can scan from the <laughs> West Coast to America? No, that they can scan from the front page of the newspaper. <laughs> Oh, that's a good <laughs> Imagine that. <laughs> Everybody, millions of people scanning the QR code crop circle. And Mr. Dunlop. <laughs> oh, uh, fuck. I think the website's in my name. No, it's in both our names. Mm. It'd probably be a, like a joint task force at both houses at the same it time. It wouldn't be hard to track <laughs> us down. Like, all right, guys. I don't know. It must have been a fan. Yeah. It's like. Within a mile of the igloo. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I like it. That's a good one. Yeah, that is a good one. Do you think that you could really get a, a, a picture of a crop circle that's clear enough that if it was in QR code that you could actually scan it, though? I don't think so, no, but I'm not really qualified to answer that question. Yeah. Maybe someone else can spam you with the answer. Yeah, well, one of our listeners is quite the techie. He's been helping me out with some PC problems here. That's pretty cool. Is that the YouTube? Yeah, uh, yeah. Is that the same Jim? I think Jim, it's Jim Fuller? yeah, Jim Fuller again, yeah. Fucking, yeah, thanks, he's in Jim. promotion and IT? Yeah. <laughs> wow. PR. He's a great American IT slash exactly. PR. Jim dude. never has to donate because he supports the show. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, we should decide what we're going to do with t-shirts too because somebody wants an extra large and I don't have any left. Well, uh. So we need to decide if we're going to do another batch or, or what. Maybe. Well, we'll just let them. Uh, Maybe we should just, just let... have another batch around, right? Yeah. Well, how much were they? Oh, I don't know. They're quite a bit. I paid like five or 600 bucks for them. Holy fuck. Yeah. <laughs> I think so. <laughs> Actually, I'll have to double check that. I'm not sure. I Anyways. thought it was three something. Yeah, maybe it was. I don't know. I was doing a lot of stuff back then, prepping for the paradigm. Yeah, you're doing all kinds of business shit. Business cards and all kinds of crap. Hindsight 2020. Yeah. Um, yeah, but yeah, we should. We should just, well, you guys, we need you guys to donate, and then we'll buy more shirts. Let's sure. just, we'll just let the PayPal account build up, and when it's enough, we'll, we'll order some. Yeah, Unless maybe. we need to. I mean, if we run out, are we out? Out of, well, just about, yeah. Oh, well, once we're, well, we should look into that yeah. then. Because it seems to be getting more popular, too. Okay, we'll take that offline. And I got to send, send one to Rennie. Yeah, right. 
So there's a lot of cool feedback about the ripple stick. I think we've the coined, ripple we've stick. Coined the, <laughs> yeah, nice. it's pretty good. I seen. Uh, is it from Scott Russell? No, no. Because I seen his was a good one. Yeah, yeah. Well, you, do you have I'm not. That? I'm not onto it. By the way. What do you mean by that? I don't know, he alluded to that that I was onto something that I don't think I'm onto. Oh, I think he's giving me a little too much credit. Oh, really? <laughs> Oh yeah, I remember that. Too. Darren's on to it. Oops, wrong one. Oh. Sorry. So anyways, uh, what do you got coming? You don't say ham, you say spam. Oh, yeah, you know what I wanted to mention uh that that people can spam gram uh g r a h a m at gramerica.com. That's kind of what we call our email feedback type stuff. Um so yeah, I've been talking to Matt in uh, in the UK too. Have you and been speaking talking of, into your mic to Matt. Speaker, am I not talking to my mic? Well, you got to turn me up then. You just turn no, me you, down. I can't. No, I I can't fucking t- turn it up and down every time you turn your head. So maybe we should switch mics because this is uh, I'm always the one reading from a screen, right? <clears throat> now I've lost my spot here. Oh man. Uh, so anyways, Matt's. Uh, Matt's seen some, some, we were talking about healing and stuff too. He's, he's into some energy healing as well as me, but he says, uh, he says he had, uh, he saw this orb fly over a ball of light passed over him almost directly above, probably took about five or six minutes and it would have been about, it would have gone about five miles and it changed trajectory and shot up, shifted gear while it's getting smaller and increasingly orangey red until he could no longer see it. And he reported it to MUFON. Anyways, he didn't even, I didn't even realize it was an orangey red one. And uh, he's seen that these large triangles overhead too. And we were going to have a triangle episode, uh, which is interesting because triangles and orbs seem to go together, but I couldn't get the triangle guy on at the same time. He said that was eerie as fuck. It was a huge triangle with red lights in total, two at the back corners and one at the front. Uh, and it almost blended into the dusk sky. So it's, uh, it's similar to uh, other people that talk about those big black triangles. Even Where like was a it? Personal body here uh, in the UK, I believe. So there's quite a few sightings of red orbs since then, and many other objects, of course, fascinate this guy. So, anyways, thanks for the correspondence, buddy. That's it's uh, timely it's been feedback, good. and yeah, it's kind of a synchronicity in itself. But I think we might have announced it that it was coming. Announced what? We put the st- we. I think we threw the stick out a long time ago. Right, right. So. Uh, I got a new one for you here. This is from uh, Nikki Bamfield. He says uh, he's spamming He's us. a supporter, too. Yeah. Hey, Nikki. He won the Moneyball months, didn't he? Yeah, he won the... Uh, yeah, he did. Yeah. yeah. That was when we thought he was a girl. Yeah. Sorry, Nikki. Sorry, Nikki. <laughs> hey, he says just spamming to let us we know... We for supporters. ...that uh, he really enjoyed the last couple episodes. Also, he wants to give us a quick, short trip summary... <laughs> So I think we've got a new segment here that we want. You know how we were talking oh, trying to find it, a name? We'll call it the trip, trip summary. Report. Trip report. Trip report. Yeah. We'll do some a jingle with some psychedelic music and people can send in their trips. Yeah, that'd be sweet if someone made us a jingle. Yeah. So uh he's got a trip report for us. He was back he was at sixteen, second or third time he ever smoked hash. It was a nice red Turkish hash. We were riding down the road at normal speed when the guy in the back gave me a pull on a one hitter bong. I held the smoke for a few minutes, turned my r- to my right, and saw two little beings standing on the side of the road grinning at me. 
One was about waist high, kind of chunky in the middle, and the other one was shorter than him, pointy, and it was only a couple seconds as we were going by fast. But my buddy in the back said, what the hell are you looking at? And and uh, this was 35 years ago, but the thought of those two are still burned in his memory to this day. I guess the hash got to my pineal gland. DMT flash, he asks, or maybe machine elves? Maybe. The sight of them is just as vivid today as it was back then. He said something about he took one of those bullshit tests on Facebook, and it said he was Canadian. Is the hegemony growing that much, he says? Hope so later. Keep on rocking, Nick. I don't know what the bullshit test is because I don't have Facebook, but. I don't know what the bullshit test is. Anyways, I'll just say thanks, eh? Hey, you know why they, they say we say A here? Why? Because uh, there's three A's in Canada. C-A-N-A-D-A. Yeah. <laughs> a? <laughs> So anyways, man, I wish we had hash when I was young that strong. That's crazy. I wish I had hash now that strong. Yeah. So must have hit your pineal gland or something. Yeah. The only time I've, I've greened out before, before I seen anything. Oh, what's that again? I don't What's greening so, out? I don't know. When you're young. And what, what happens? Smoke too much dope. You feel sick. Turn green. No, seriously? Yeah. It's like a slug for a while. You usually like lie off in the corner someplace. I don't think is that ever. what that's called? Like, yeah, that's just a bad trip. That was just too baked. That's what we'd call it. Just yeah, too, too baked. baked, super too baked. Though some people puke. Really? Well, I puked donut dough once. Yeah, well, that was because you ate donut dough. I probably ate about ten. You donuts. Ate too much. I'm bad for eating donut dough too. <laughs> it's so good, and it rises in your stomach. <laughs> Not good. That was when I, I did. I tell you that story on the air. Should I even say it? I no longer partake in any drugs or alcohol, but this was back when we were young and we had a thing called the Bakathon and we hotboxed my buddy's Camaro and we couldn't figure out why the lighters weren't working anymore. That's because <laughs> there was no more oxygen left. There wasn't enough oxygen for the lighters to light. And sleepy. Yeah. Yeah. I was surprised. Yeah, oh my God. You think you're super baked, but it's just because you can't, you can't breathe. breathe. <laughs> I like it. Yeah. You might have told that story before. I think I told it to you, but not not to the listening audience. I can neither. It feels com- weird talking about that. Confirm nor deny. I think I got busted by my mom that night. So yeah, this is a profound UFO quote of the week, and uh, this is my favorite part of the episode. Still, yeah. This yeah. is your favorite part. Thanks, buddy. What? Well, I don't get it. Here's your little quote. Yeah, what? What's your favorite part? Your UFO <laughs> quote? Not chatting with me or <sighs> interviewing people. Yeah, well, the famous part, the favorite part is when you make fun of it after. So, I never Anyways, make fun of the quote. That's true. It had a dome with ports all around it. The bottom was surrounded by colored lights like neon lights in blue, red, green, and white, which blinked in a sequence as if they were rotating. And in the middle, there were three spheres or hemispheres. It was a huge thing, about 100 feet in diameter, and it made no noise whatsoever. What fascinated me even more was that the object was enveloped in a kind of halo, which made its entire metallic structure glow white. It flew slowly over our heads and seemed to land at a place behind a group of trees. But we couldn't see or check that out because at that point, it was too far away and in the middle of the moor. That was from Police Constable... Anthony Dodd Skipton, North Yorkshire, December 12, 1978. And that was also witnessed by Police Constable Dale. 
And uh, yeah, that's right near where my mom was born, Yorkshire. Yorkshire? Yeah. England? Yeah. Oh, yeah, I guess, eh? Yeah. So, yeah, that's a good, that's, see, that reminds me like a Close Encounters of the Third Kind type of sighting, all the flashy lights and stuff. So you're a second generation Canadian? <clears throat> you're a noob. Yeah, right. Not me. Yeah. Well, I, I always forget that. Uh, it's weird. You're a native, aren't you? Yeah, half. Native to this country? Half, but still, like, even in, like, when, where I grew up, it was, like, people whose grandparents and grandparents and grandparents were all, you know. Immigrants. No, we're mostly, like, oh. settled there for, you know. Oh, really? A while. Yeah, like, my, wow. my grandma grew up in, I think. I could be wrong. In the res? No. <laughs> <laughs> I suppose one of my grandmas did. Yeah. So, uh, what else we got? Money Bomb this month is going to be the biggest ever, probably, right? So, by the time this episode comes out, we will probably just be drawing out a listener who will get back uh, 50% of our donations, right? Yes. And then they'll find out on the next episode, which will be live on Tuesday, and also come out the next episode after this, which will be episode 101, right? Episode 101. And that's just with Darren and I. And yeah. maybe Red Pill Junkie and, uh, and yeah, well, yeah, we'll, we'll 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 do a while with just the two of us, a good hour at least, and then we'll tune in with uh, some of our regulars, yeah, semi regulars. Kind of just supposed to be something a little different, a celebration of sorts after getting to a hundred, right? <clears throat> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so exactly, we're taking. <clears throat> uh, you can email. Questions and shit like that. Uh, any questions you've ever had or anything like that? We're basically going to just shoot the shit for an hour, answer feedback, synchronicities, anything like that. Yeah, I'm um, saving up some some listener stuff too. Yeah. So if anyone has questions, not show, don't have to be, uh, you know, anything logistic, anything, anything, yeah, yeah, anything yeah. goes for yeah. one episode. Yeah. We can still choose not to answer. Yeah, and speaking of the money, money bomber donating to the show, that's uh, really the only way we we're doing this is is uh, value for value. Yeah, uh, we're one hundred percent listener supported. No ads, no corporate sponsorship, nothing. Not even a fucking Amazon to portal or the or uh, Audible or anything. Nope. Even though I'm an Audible fan, but we chose not to do that. No, we're going the. Uh... Don't fucking hit the table, though. Sorry. We're going the the value for value route, and uh, it's been going great lately. Hopefully, we can keep that going, keep the subscribers growing. You get a Grammarica email address. Um, Yeah, keep it growing. Things are looking up. Yeah, is that about it, buddy? Uh, I don't know. You tell me. You got no synchros, no nothing. Well, I think we'll save. I got got a couple, but they're pretty, uh, you know, kind of a couple long ones. So maybe we save them for our special episode there. Yeah, then I guess that would be... Do you want to hear a lucid another uh, dream or... Yes, can uh, I rate yeah. it? Um, you might be able to. I, oh, yeah, Buddy said, I forget who it is. Uh, buddy on YouTube, though, commented, said he'll take the four. I gave him a synchro. I must have rated his synchro as a four. Oh, really? <laughs> he said he'll take it. That's funny. The four is not bad on my scale. <clears throat> See, that's it. I can make people happy with lower numbers. Okay, this is from Brandon. It's a real world ripple stick, and it's my lucid nightmare. So this might this might uh, end us on a little bit of a Debbie Downer. But hey, guys, love the show. I am reluctant to share this as this story will dampen the mood of most listeners. So buckle up. Backstory first: While driving in Virginia Beach, serving in the Navy, 
I was visiting my daughter in southern Pennsylvania every other weekend and fighting Pennsylvania courts to get full custody. Courts are slow, and my daughter's mom was dangerously addicted to heroin. This was the most stressful time in my life. I thought after winning custody, my little girl would be safe, so my sleep problems would be over. Nope. After winning custody, took forever and cost a fortune, things cooled off, and my daughter settled into our home permanently, with my son and his mother happy to have her. During this time, my daughter's mother was in and out of rehab and was doing well. Finished her jail sentence and was calling her daughter regularly. Everything had worked out. Enter the dream. On a night like no other, with no special substance to assist my sleep, I drifted off. I find myself walking through the woods in spring just alongside a windy stream in a valley. I didn't recognize this place at first, and I walked around a bit. I came upon a real gnarly twisted tree that was very familiar. Here is where I had proposed to my daughter's mother. So I knew where I was. Here was the stream and the trail we walked hundreds of times together and never since. The weather changed like a setting sun and it became autumn. I started to get nervous because the ambience forced this fear to rise. I guess I should have said ambiance. Yes. Yeah, sorry. I'm scared but in control. I start a crisp pace away from the twisted tree, falling leaves and churning winds. This quickly became a canter, then a sprint. A dead sprint through the winding trail in this dense and darkening woods. I ran until I could no longer breathe. I dropped to one knee, and that knee landed square on a rattlesnake, right on his head. I knew I was okay, but also aware that this was a bad spot to be in. Then one more appeared, maybe a foot or two from the snake currently pinned beneath my knee. The snake was agitated and acutely aware of me. This raised the hair on my neck. As I snatched at its head to safely throw that fucker over the stream, it nailed my inner elbow. I remember very clearly the burning sensation and woke up screaming violently. My wife stared up to hear about the dream, or stayed up to hear about the dream. She saw I was shaking and clearly disturbed. This was the most real dream I had ever had. So don't forget, Darren, this is uh, like, remember, he wouldn't dream for quite a while, right? Now the ripple. The following morning brought no relief. I had the dream. The dream was fucked. What the fuck is this? My wife looked up dreams of snakes, snake bites, told me shit about being betrayed soon by a friend. Nothing made sense. Just after dinner, I was smoking a joint on the porch. My phone rang. A weeping female voice I didn't quite recognize kept saying, she's dead, Brandon. She's dead. My daughter's mom had overdosed on heroin. So she OD'd while I felt venom enter my veins in a dream. Guys, I felt it. That's what made this dream so different. She was 300 miles away, and I felt it. I want Darren's third-party sync score. Canadian third-party sync score. That puts a lot of pressure on me. <laughs> that is, that's a lot of pressure. Intense, like, lucid nightmare, kind of like a... Lucid synchronicity. Uh, mm. It's it's a tough one, eh? Oh, first thing I'm going to do is lighten the mood. I'm a rambling gram with synchronicities all over the web. And Aaron is skeptical about everyone. And don't believe it yet. 
I don't know if I can call that a synchro, but it. Can I can I read another one that's similar? Quick one. Okay. Give you some time on that one. Okay. This is from Graham Gainsford. I, I uh, how similar? I am G Force. <laughs> the only lucid dream. Now I'm not too sure I can I can wrap this up properly, uh, but I'm going to try. The only lucid dream I ever had was the day my mom died. That morning, I had found her in the bathroom of her apartment. She had a brain brain hemorrhage and died instantly. Anyways, I told myself on that day, if I ever saw her in my dream, I would try and warn her about what happened to try and get her to give up smoking in case she was experiencing the same dream back in time or something like that. You grasp at any straw you can think of, you know? And uh, yeah, I do know, buddy. Um, That night, I did dream of my mom, and I did and said what I had planned, frantically trying to warn her. She was so calm, peaceful, and happy. She gave me a hug and told me she loved me and not to worry about the future. Everything was going to be okay. That's the only time I've dreamed of my mom, bar one, bar one time. That was just more like being in a memory. So this may not count as a lucid dream. I don't really know, but it did happen. Oh, I tried. Oh, he says, uh, Oh, I tried making DMT was on the path before your show found me. No joy. It just cleaned out my system nicely. And I had an extra dreamy night's sleep. All the best and Merry Christmas. So that was from before Christmas. So, but yeah, he had a, a lucid dream. The one time only was after his, uh, his mom passed away. So not quite similar, but almost. Jesus. Involving. You just chose to do those back to back. Yes. On the hundredth episode. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, so what about the other one? Well, I I gotta I guess I rate it on the ripple stick scale. I I yeah I guess it's not even that though. It's It's, something different. It's like uh, whatever it is, it's a nine point five. Really? Wow. Yeah, that's a good one. But it's neither of those two things. It's a new thing. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, well, it's like precog. It's it's kind of precog dream in a way. Different. if if it's Brie, but if it's at the same time, it's like yeah. when people visit you and your dream at the same time as they die. Yeah, yeah. Is you that know, something new? You know what? It, you know what? It it sounds like uh, something's happening in the collective consciousness, and the way like he downloaded something, and the way his brain interpreted that consciousness download was into the snake and the gnarled tree and the whole run. Like it's almost like he's picking up on what was happening with her because obviously they're connected. And somehow that was the physical manifestation of the energy transfer. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. That's a nice little summary. Oh, thanks, buddy. Oh, that's a new thing to rate. Yeah. And that's the score to beat. Right on. So Zolt, uh, no, sorry, not Zoltan. Who's this episode? Terry, Terry Ray, Ray. Invasion of the Orange Orbs. I say that because we're live, live with Zoltan in like five minutes, four minutes or five minutes. So, yeah, this will be a good one. Strap in and strap down for this. uh, Orange Orb Spectacular. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, Terry. That was a great chat. All right, guys. uh, Enjoy the chat. And we will pick you up on the other side.
Okay, guys, in Grime America tonight, we are going to be chatting with Mr. Terry Ray about some orbs and all sorts of fun stuff like that. Um, Graham is pretty excited for this one. Um, so how's it going? You can tell, eh? <laughs> I can tell. Look at you. You're glowing. Yeah, I'm glowing like an orange orb. No, I just uh, finished off his book, too. So, yeah, like Darren said, we got uh, Terry Ray here. Now, this is an interesting story. T- Terry's a former military pilot and trial lawyer. lawyer. Jeez, I can't even speak. A retired law professor emeritus and a novelist. And then he's also a field investigator for MUFON, the Mutual UFO Network. And uh, he'll be telling us about he had a sighting of the Orange Orbs. And then he spent, and that wasn't too long ago, and he spent the last uh, year and a bit intensively investigating these. And his new book is called The Complete Story of the Worldwide Invasion of the Orange Orb. So uh, we're really excited to have you in America. Welcome, Terry. Well, thank you. Nice to be here. Yeah, it's great to have you. It's it's uh, <clears throat> it's an interesting, very interesting time because uh, only a few years ago you probably couldn't have done this book. So your experience seems to me like it corresponded well with the amount of data that's only now available for you to do this kind of investigation. Yeah, and also uh, several years ago, I doubt I would have found a publisher who would have published my book. I mean, a mainstream publisher. Right. Right. Huh. So I guess, I guess maybe, you know, there's a lot to cover here. Uh, I loved your book and how you were able to just go into this, uh, kind of narrow, narrow field of research in the, in ufology. So maybe, I guess just for, you could maybe, maybe summarize your book and then we'll get into the genesis of it. All right. Um, I, uh, I, I wrote my book because of, uh, being uh, aggravated with my uh, fellow field investigators. <laughs> That's real uh, pissed off is, I guess, a better word. But anyway. Yeah, you can uh, swear in here. It's okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, I say that around my kids, so. <laughs> um, which they piss me off sometimes too. But anyway, uh, I was on vacation uh, in July 2013 in Ocean City, Maryland, and I saw – uh, from my balcony, eight uh, orange orbs coming one at a time, going through a very specific flight pattern. And as a uh, former military pilot, I knew that I shouldn't have been seeing them. Uh, they had no characteristic whatsoever of anything that we can construct on Earth. Mm-hmm. And I knew I had seen something very strange. I'd never heard of orange orbs at the time. Mm-hmm. And when I got back to Pennsylvania at a meeting, my first meeting back, uh, some of I told some of my fellow investigators about what I had seen, and they were all chuckling. And I said, what are you laughing about? And they <laughs> said, well, those are just uh, Chinese lanterns, so don't even waste your time. Right. And uh, – I, I, that aggravated me because, uh, uh, first of all, I'm sure I know more than any of them about what things look like in the sky, uh, because I put thousands of hours in the air 
And uh, there's no way in hell they could be Chinese lanterns. I've seen Chinese lanterns before, and they uh, are blown around by the wind. They don't fly a specific flight pattern. And um, they can't stop and make a 90-degree turn or a 45-degree climb. And uh, they are not spherical. And they are not nearly as large as what I saw. What I saw, the uh, orange orbs that I, that I observed were coming south along the Atlantic Ocean. So they're coming from my left. And I was on the balcony. And they stopped, I would estimate, about five miles away and headed out to sea. This is one at a time now. They were, there was about an eight-minute lapse between the orbs appearing. Mm-hmm. And um, they were, at that time, about the size of a full moon. Now, that was five miles away. Mm. So these things were very large. And I don't think there's any... Uh, Chinese lantern that size. Yeah, and and it's and, disappointing that you you talk to Mufon should be a uh, they take this seriously obviously or they should be and it must be disappointing that you get some sort of you know laughter and ridicule right. Well, there's a certain culture in Mufon. Uh, we first of all, it's not a bunch of kooks, uh, which a lot of people you know think that it's like the uh, Moose Lodge, except we wear tin hats. A lot of people think that, but it's really not the case. There are a lot of uh, highly educated, uh, very sophisticated scientific people in MUFON, but uh, they uh, MUFON. There's, there's MUFON has been around for a long, long time. They uh, they were formed in the early 1960s, and so therefore they have a huge uh, case repository. But being around for so long has its good points and its bad points. Yeah, a lot of the people who are uh, in MUFON uh, presently are are uh, have been in it for a very long time, and they have sort of their mindset on how things are. And when you bring up something new. Uh, they really aren't as open-minded as you would think they should be. Yeah. And uh, they like to be able to dismiss something uh, very easily. And so that's what they did. You know, they're, they're big on, you know, it, it was swamp gas or it was, uh, you know, a shooting star, that sort of thing. Earthquake lights or something like that. Yeah, yeah. And uh, when, when you... Uh, report something to them that they, they can't explain. They, they tend to fall back on some, uh, to me, rather specious explanation for this thing. But anyway, that aggravated me. And uh, I decided I would find out what I had seen and uh, then come back and tell them about it. And I thought that would take me about a month at the most. <laughs> and uh, I was still researching a year later uh i read uh every uh orange orb case on file with mufon which is over 2000 cases and um and then i uh i dissected each case to see uh what i could could uh derive from that and uh, and uh, you read the book i have all sorts of charts and maps yeah, in yeah. there 
Yeah. And you could probably tell that took a long time. Yeah. And uh, so in in uh, in October, I uh, the book finally came out. But uh, it took me from uh, I started researching August of 2013 and I finished researching um, September of 2014. Mm. And so I wrote the book and uh, it's been uh, been selling well all around the world because, as the title implies, it is a worldwide phenomenon. Mm. So. Go ahead, Darren. I just wanted to go back to back to where we were talking about them being uh, approximately five miles away and being about the size of a full moon. You must yes. have a, a pretty good estimation in all your years of flying of what what that would that be. You know, fifty feet, a hundred feet. I would say um, there probably were uh, a diameter of probably a hundred fifty to two hundred feet. Wow! Was there anybody That's else big. with you at the time? Uh, well, no, I was, it was 1030 and I, and my uh, wife and kids were asleep, uh, inside the, uh, the hotel room. And, uh, I, I'm, I'm uh, one who likes to stay up late. So I had to go somewhere else. I couldn't watch TV. I was forbidden. And so I was, uh, watching, uh, all this and I, uh, you know, you know how it is when you see something like this, you want to run and tell somebody, but I just pictured me got running into the hotel room screaming i'm seeing you know ufos i'm sure my wife would have loved me for that yeah it's not going to go so, very well uh uh i uh i looked i filed with the uh maryland mufon because you file uh with the uh, mufon the state you're in and i was in uh, ocean city maryland and um there were only two of us that filed and um that that night you mean yes there were two two of us now i i know thousands of people saw this uh because they they uh float they go along very slowly and they're up there to be seen it's like they're they're wearing a look at me uh button you know they're they're absolutely beautiful uh you, you can't take your eyes off them. they look very almost identical to a setting sun. Uh, very uh, um, pleasant uh, pastel uh, orange and red uh, color. The lighting comes with from within. There are no separate lights, and it's a it's a glowing thing. And uh, if you, I mean, people, uh, you know how it is. I, I'm sure you've been to the beach at, at times, and uh, you know once. Uh, once the evening's over, most most adults uh, sit out and look at the ocean. Uh, at least in my experience, that's what I do. Yeah. And there, ha- and that is uh, Ocean City, uh, Maryland. Uh, it's about ten miles along there, maybe twenty, uh, just lined with hotels right along the beach. Thousands of people had to have seen this. Hmm. Uh, but uh, that brings up an interesting point, though. Um, the question is, why didn't more people file with yeah. MUFON? And uh, I looked into that. I, I, I decided I, I wanted to get a handle on it. And so I, I did a lot of uh, questioning and uh, talking to uh, you know people in the MUFON who do statistics and that sort of thing. And uh, 
the interesting thing is it's, – it's, it's not interesting. It's understandable. Uh, the vast majority of people who see a UFO, something they, in the sky they can't explain, do not file with uh, anywhere, nor do the vast majority of people even tell anybody about it because uh, the, uh, the government has done such a good job of making people look like fools who claim to have seen something like this, that most people are very reticent to file. And if uh, one in a hundred calls somebody official and uh, reports it, uh, we're lucky. Yeah. Uh, MUFON's lucky. And the the three places, uh, official places, offices uh, to which people report are the police, which is a total waste of time. They don't even want to hear about it. Um, the news media, uh, which uh, is u- normally used. Most people call it TV shows. I have no idea why they do that. Maybe they want to be on TV. Probably. But they, they call TV. And if the TV shows do report, I'm sure you've seen this before. It's always this report at the end where uh, – it's the goofy stuff. Yeah, the X Files music. Yeah, right. And then, uh, and then they, you know, they have their their funny graphics and all that. So they make a joke out of it. And then the, the third is uh, military. Now, reporting it to the military, they're part of the U.S. government. The U.S. government, uh, because of certain reasons, flatly denies that there is anything such as a UFO. So uh, whenever – I'm sure we'll be getting into numbers here, yeah. how many orbs have been seen. Whenever you uh, hear a number, uh, what you have to keep in mind is that, that there are probably uh, – you could probably take that number and multiply it by a 1,000 as to how many actual uh, objects of that type were seen. Right. You follow me because yeah, so yeah. few so few people report and uh, move on. The vast majority of the people in this country and in most countries still do not know what MUFON is. You know, I I, I I say to somebody, I'm a member of MUFON, and they think it's like some sort of acting guild or something. <laughs> you know, uh, <clears throat> and uh, despite the fact that the, you know MUFON now has its own uh, TV show. And uh, they they're trying to uh, they've never done a very good job until the, the new uh, uh, CEO came in uh, last year. Who's that? Uh, they, uh, Jan Harzen, H A R Z A N. He's doing a real good job of bringing MUFON into the 21st century. Yeah. Uh, and he is making quite an effort uh, to uh, introduce MUFON on on a uh, you know, mass basis to the public. And I think that will uh, generate a lot more uh, reports. So sticking so, stick with, with that, uh, <clears throat> that subject, you stuck with the MUFON reports alone in your book, right? Now, did you think about going to New Fork or to, uh, to like any other organization in, in China, maybe, or South America, or, or let's, and let's expand that question a bit. <laughs> What do you think the amount of reports are, uh, let's say, uh, like Peter Davenport's uh, 
New Fort compared to MUFON? Uh, there's really nothing that compares to MUFON. Okay. Uh, they have been around. At, uh, well, let's see. Uh, about going on 60 years now, close to 60 years. And they, uh, the, they are meticulous with their files. And each file is uh, investigated. You know, first they're screened, they're investigated, and a report is filed. So, uh, you, you any uh, any file you click on, uh, you can get a uh, tremendous amount of information. And uh, you know all you know the latitude, longitude, altitude, you name it. And uh, they've just been around for a long time, and they're they're very good at what they do. Right. So, I mean, there's nothing in the world that, that compares to their case repository. Yeah, I just thought maybe in North America, uh, you know, New Fork would have had, you know, a, maybe a comparable amount, but I guess not. So, I mean, are you, are you, uh, did you, did you search any of those at all? Or, or would you in the future to continue this research? Yes. Um, well, I, I don't know how you, you have to sort of pick your target. Yeah. And, um, and as I said, MUFON is like the elephant in a room when you're trying to uh, get UFO data. <laughs> it, it's huge, and it, it's in uh, it's all around the world. Yeah, uh, and, MUFON. There are chapters, you know, uh, uh, it, throughout the world. And I did look there. And as you, I don't know if you finished my book or not, but there is a, a section in there. It's called Around the World. Yeah. Yeah. And I point out uh, all the uh, uh, cases. Uh, examples, oh, cases that have been reported around the world. But um, the problem is that uh, not every MUFON organization in every country is well organized. Right. A lot of them are not. Yeah. And they don't do a very good job. How, however, that's going to change if you want a uh, – a little bit of a scoop here. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, Move on USA. They're in uh, Newport uh, Beach, California. They are <laughs> fundraising right now, and I sent them my check uh, to set up a uh, a national. I'm not a national international uh, uh, case rep reporting system and case repository. Like a database so, kind of thing? Or? Yes, worldwide, and which will be great uh, for at least for someone like me. Yeah. Uh, which, you know, that's another interesting topic. There aren't – this may sound well, – I guess I'll just say it. There aren't many There aren't many people like me in MUFON uh, who um, – and I think there should be uh, – most most of the MUFON investigators, uh, the field investigators, they do. I mean, if it wasn't for field investigators, I I couldn't have done what I what I did in this book. They are sort of the um, the the field workers. They're out there, you know. On I'm I'm a field investigator too, so I know what they're doing, and they're going out on a regular basis, interviewing people, getting all the information. Doing the investigation, taking photographs, measurements, all that stuff. But what they do is they file and move on. Yeah. yeah. And it's it's one and done thing. And uh, that's pretty much everybody in MUFON is like that. And there are very, very few. I'm the only one I know 
who has actually taken something and uh, done taken a specific area and done intensive research and tried to develop the entire picture of that particular phenomenon. Yeah, yeah. Uh, nobody, nobody seems to do that, and that's real to me. That's really what needs to be done. Well, to be fair, to, to be fair too, that uh, it's only been recent where the technology and the amount of data, like you show in your book, over the last couple of years, has really proven it. You know, to be kind of worth the exercise in a way. And I and I just want to say I didn't mean by any by any means at all uh, to uh, to uh, make light of the amount of data you have by asking you if you went worldwide or not. Like I do realize you went through, you know, your, your analysis is based on your charts and graphs based on uh, MUFON North America or US. And that seems yes. to me like it's plenty of data to show what you're showing here. Yeah, it's representative. Yeah. Uh, there are more, uh, far more cases uh, reported in the United States than there are in any other country in the world. Uh, and, uh, it's just because they have move on, you know, move on originated in the United States and it, it's been around a long time and they have a really good system set up and, you know, some of the other systems just aren't that well developed. Yeah. And so it, it's a good, uh, it's a good target case in the United States. I, I would, uh, you know, uh, it would have been, it took me a year just to study United States in terms of orange orbs. And, uh, I, I, it was just, I, I mean, I, I have a publisher who wants a novel every four months. <laughs> uh, so, you know, uh, I had to, uh, somehow limit, you know, what I was going to study. And so that's, that's what I did, but I don't um, think it took anything away from that though. Cause you, you definitely, uh, showed a picture. Uh, a pretty clear picture of what's going on, which we'll we'll get into that in a little bit here. But I want to stick with uh, the MUFON reports and and the and the how you chose, uh, I guess, what reports to do because they categorize everything by shape and color and all that, right? And obviously, right. spherical shapes or or orb orbs not really a category, I guess. So you no, have to choose, not. you know, orange yeah. and spherical. But how was there a lot of other colors out there that you had to discard, or how did you go through that process? I had to decide uh, what uh, I had to pick my categories <clears throat> because just picking my categories, the categories I picked, I came up with over, uh, you know, as I said, 2000 cases. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, you know, you can, you can go with like, here, here's the problem. Some people will say they'll see an orange orb and they'll say, I saw a fireball. Yeah, or red. That's the, yeah, or I saw a red disc, or I saw a red circle, and all those shapes are available. And uh, and I I explained in the beginning of my book that it would be, become impossible, and time time prohibitive. I mean, if I wanted to dedicate my next twenty years of my life to doing it, I suppose I could have taken every possible combination. Yeah, yeah, and, and see what I come up with. But I I had to. Uh, pick what I thought was the um, most likely uh, observed object and how I thought most people would describe it. And I based it basically upon what I saw. And I went through, I, I mean, I, I used uh, a sphere 
and which of course eliminates the cases that say fireball, you know, or circle, yeah, or disc or whatever. And uh, that's that's what I used, uh, you know. And uh, the color I used was um, reddish orange. And uh, as you point out, orb is not available. Which I think, uh, I mean, I've talked to Jan Harzen about it, you know, and some of the other uh, big shots of MUFON, and uh, uh, they are going to be changing. Uh, they're going to try to make it a lot more like uh, Google, where you don't have to lock yourself into uh, these uh, little boxes to research. Hmm. But uh, uh, you you can see, like, just from my reports, you, you saw the numbers I reported. Um, there are those are just representative because uh, you know a most people don't report and yeah, I B, think one in a hundred is is even optimistic. Oh yeah, yeah, I agree. One in a hundred uh, is probably maybe someone who reports to like the police or something. Yeah, yeah. it's actual move fun. I would say even closer to one in five hundred, one in a thousand. Because uh, I know, oh, yeah. like, just the people I met, like, I I can maybe know a dozen people in my life who will admit to seeing something strange in the sky, and none of them. The only one who's reported it is Graham, I think. And they lost mine. I, and that I includes my own sighting. It wasn't an orb, but I didn't I didn't report it to anyone. We joked about it and went back to smoking most, most a joint. Most people don't. <laughs> most people don't. Um, uh, because you know, there are considerations. I mean, if you are a uh, a person, uh, let's say you're a police officer or an airline pilot, they see a lot of stuff. I know quite a few airline pilots because a lot of my friends, you know, who were military pilots, went in the airlines after we got out of the service, and uh, they see stuff all the time, but they don't report them hmm. uh, because you know uh, you you might be taken offline and uh, asked to do uh, for. To undergo some psychological screening. Do you think that's that changing though? No, not really. Really? Really? No, no. they don't. They don't want to hear about it. No, I. Um, and well, it, it it a lot of it has to do with the uh, the federal government. You know, they uh, they have their reasons uh, uh, for doing what they're doing, but uh, they are uh, just not going to budge on this. They are going to – they have an overt program to make fools out of people who uh, who uh, report uh, UFOs. Yeah. But it's overt. It's overt. They, they truly want to make people uh, not want to do this but because of what might happen to them. Yeah. Did you go to Brown Mountain at all? Pardon me? I'm just, did you go to Brown Mountain or did your research take you there at all? We have a, a, a compadre down in North Carolina that uh, I suppose Brown Mountain is uh, is quite the hot spot for predictable orange orbs. Oh, is it orange that, orbs there too? Or? I thought, I swore, maybe I, I could be, be wrong. Light. I don't know if it's just lights or if it's uh, orange orbs, I'm not sure. Well, there are, uh, yeah, there are uh, hot spots. And, uh, you know, they go, they go where the people are because they're out there to be seen, Mm. which is the, which is the interesting aspect of what, what this is all about. They used to be, uh, to, to see a UFO used to be a very, very rare event. Uh, and uh, no one ever got a picture of them, you know, and if they did, you know, it was some blur, 
you know, that looks like a moth or something, and they claim it's a UFO. That's the way it used to be, and it all all started to change in the early uh, uh, with the with the uh, new uh, millennium. Uh, around 2003, it, it began to they uh, they totally changed what they were doing. Instead of being stealthy, they uh, clearly decided to go out of their way to be seen. And that's what the book was all about. Um, uh, the whole story of uh, was as you, uh, you, Graham, you read the book in uh, 2000. I, I did. It's a study of uh, United States orange orb sightings, all of them. Yeah. Uh, from 2003 to 2013. And um, I have my chart right here. In 2003, there were five throughout the United States seen. By 2013, there were 868 seen in one year. <laughs> Uh, and they, they go up for mad. They, yes, that's exactly right. There's only 868 under my categories <laughs> that I used uh, based upon the people who actually reported to MUFON. That's why this, these are only representative uh, figures, because you're right. You, you want, probably ought to multiply that by 1,000. That's probably how many were seen uh, but uh, 868 were reported. So when we come into, when we start talking about how they're here to be seen, are we talking, do you think we're talking more along the lines of uh, somebody's presenting it to us, somebody or something, or is it, does consciousness come into, into play? Like what you hear with, I mean, it seems like all over the place, UFOs and consciousness is starting to meld together. Well, uh, I don't need, I don't know, quite know what, the people mean by that uh i really don't um can i give you uh, my take yeah go ahead yeah i think that some people are saying that uh like let's say you you're you're uh, viewing these orange orbs with somebody and they didn't see it but you did right it's almost like yeah. your consciousness plays a role in what you see and if you see anything at all um well uh, God bless you, but I don't, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I don't think so. Yeah. Yeah. You're, uh, you're pretty, you know, you're pretty convinced. These are like, these are out there for everybody to see. It's a craft and it's, it's out there for everybody to see. And oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. I mean, they have been, uh, I'll tell you what, uh, the, uh, the highest number of orbs seen every year in the United States is on one night out of the year <laughs> and it go, it goes up. By uh, a thousand fold. You know what night that is? Halloween. No. <laughs> Christmas. No. no. <laughs> when would the, when? Oh, first of all, we got to put this in context about these uh, these beings that are operating these things. They're not stupid people, nor are they uh, uh, people. Uh, Hollywood has done a great disservice to these poor people. You know. They, you know, they are, you know, characterized like uh, the uh, Tom Cruise War of the World. You know, they're like octopuses, you know, with these long arms and they want to eat people. Please. You know, these are obviously very technologically sophisticated people. And um, you first of all, with tentacles, you couldn't even you need opposing digits. Do do small, uh, you know, uh, 
hand movements and to manipulate things. So the the, the thing that Hollywood does to them, of course, it's just for drama, but uh, it, it's just crazy. Uh, these, these are intelligent, uh, intelligent people. And if you want to be seen, you would go out. First of all, you would go where the most people are. And if you I have a in my book, I have a map of the United States where all the lights are, which is where all the cities are. And then I have the orb map of all the orb sightings and you can overlay them. They're almost identical. They're going where the people are. Yeah. And they know that in the United States uh, that there is a night out of the year where probably 75% of the people are looking at the sky. Do we want to register a guess? Yeah. <laughs> Go ahead. The Aaron. chat room told me. Yeah. Fourth yes. of July. Okay. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, uh, you're up there in Canada. Yeah. You? But anyway, uh, but anyway, you've got you've got a couple hundred million people looking at the sky, and they know that. And so on the fourth of July. As soon as the fireworks are done, the orange orbs move in. And when you read the sighting reports, I get to 7, 4, you know, uh, 2009, and there's pages of them being sighted hmm. on that night. Uh, so uh, they, uh, they're up there. They want to be seen, and they're, being, they're, they're seen on the 4th of July by millions of people. Millions. And, uh, you know, we don't have millions of reports, but millions of people are seeing them. So, you know, I don't I don't know that uh, <clears throat> you you have to have a certain consciousness to see these things. I don't think so. Yeah. Well, um, what, what, what interests me when you get back to the, the military uh, and the government knowing about it and, and in your chart, it really shows that over the last two years, it's really spiked like that. The. 2012 2013 so you wonder how how many people are going to have to see this before the government just can't keep the the wool over our eyes you know what i mean like eventually it's just going to pass this critical mass and people will just be laughing at them i totally agree and i think that's what these uh space visitors are doing i think they know that the uh, government uh i mean they listen to all our communications you know, they're very sophisticated. I'm sure they, they know exactly how we speak. They can interpret everything we broadcast, uh, you know, everything that's online. And I'm sure they know all about our culture. And I'm sure they know uh, – and the United States is particularly tough on, uh, on uh, <laughs> not admitting uh, the, to the possibility of UFOs. You know why that is? You know what the genesis of that was? Uh, the Robertson panel? <laughs> uh, no. It was, was Orson it? Orson Welles did it. To right. Us. Well, yeah. Jesus. Really? I'm yeah. serious. Uh, there was uh, uh, wasn't any uh, sort of uh, animosity of the government toward UFOs until, you know, he did um, the War of the Worlds, you know, the radio show. I think it was 1937, I think. And uh, there were uh, a lot of people, they made an announcement, this is a, just a radio drama, but a lot of people missed that 
and there were millions of people in a widespread panic, and there were some people who were killed. People were out with guns, you know, shooting, and uh, you know the the government absolutely noticed that that when people even thought there could be uh, uh, UFOs, uh, you know, the people would think they were real. That uh, it was very very uh, dangerous when that happened. And uh, right after that, they started clamping down on it. And and you think it was uh, one of those cases where they started clamping down and then even if they wanted to let the cat out of the bag, it just became too late and too hard to do that? No, I actually still think, well, you know, I can't totally discount their point of view. Right. Not totally. Because uh, people, I, I don't know. I mean, they, they, they are, uh, in my opinion, in the process of making themselves unknown, uh, getting us accustomed to seeing them. And they're also, in the last couple of years, the, the landings are increasing, and so are the appearances of the, uh, the, the passengers coming out. Mm. And um, so, but, but even right now, there still aren't that many people who have seen these things. Right. We so, need more uh, fireworks. Pardon me? More fireworks. Yeah, have, have Fourth of July on them more <laughs> Every nights. Every day, you know? yeah. So, yeah. But so, you anyway, know, actually, I, I, in August, we have the International Fireworks Competition like five miles from the studio. We should go oh, hang really? out after the fireworks are over Absolutely. and see if anything shows up. Yeah, okay. I, you know, I would uh, I would bet that you will see some. They don't miss these things. Uh, they, you know, also, the second uh, most popular night for their appearance is uh, New Year's. Yeah. Chinese or what? No, no, right. No, you know, 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 you uh, on New Year's Eve, there are lots of fireworks, and that's the second most uh, uh, highest number of sightings at night. So you must be uh, itching to go into 2014 and, and pull all that out to see where it's Well, at. you want another scoop. Yeah. I haven't was... released this yet. Ah! Um, I just finished it yesterday. Ah! Oh, beautiful. There's something, and, and it's it's got me... Uh, like up half the night because I can I don't understand what's going on. Oh wow! Um, from 2003 to 2013, it uh, let let just let me read you the bottom here. These are the years 2013 to 2000 uh, 2003 to 2013. Yeah, yeah. Let's do These that. are the totals for each year: okay. five, ten, thirteen, sixteen, forty-six, seventy-eight. 102, 164, 305, 648, and 868, 2013. Yeah. That's how, uh, that's a real steep climb there. <clears throat> anyway. The bell this, curve. No, not well, That's more than like a bell. A... That's more like a, uh, an insane ski slope, you know? <laughs> yeah. But anyway, 
Um, in 2014, there were only 410 cited. Wow. Uh, and I, you could have knocked me over with a feather. I just did, uh, I just finished uh, going through the cases. I have, you know, I have it all by, by state. And uh, I mean, some of the real big ones, uh, California in 2013 had 86. Uh, this year they had 61. They knew you were writing the book. Pardon me? They yeah, knew, they knew they I was knew writing, the book. writing the book. Yeah, they knew I was on to them. Slow down. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, uh, now I've got I'm, I've, I've got to think this through. Uh, like, uh, you want to hear some of my thinking on yeah, this? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I've, yeah. Got, I've got thoughts of my own. Oh, yeah, I want to hear it for sure. Yeah. Well, uh, I think that it could be that uh, the, as I said, the United States has had far more sightings of these things any place in the world. Now, it could be that we have a much better reporting system, or it could be that uh, they decided to, since the United States, you know, is uh, sort of one of the big players in the world, uh, maybe they decided to target the United States first. Yeah. And maybe they have reached the, what they feel is a point of saturation and they're pulling out uh, uh, some of their flotilla here and uh, sending them to other countries. Yeah, that's interesting. I think that's a possibility. And uh, they obviously, though, haven't left entirely. They, you know, there's, they, it, it dropped by 50% in one year, 868 to 410 in 2014. Um, I think perhaps those that are left behind, as I said, the last couple of years, the uh, number of landings and being appearances have increased, increased quite a bit. It could be that those who have been left here on assignment uh, are uh, being assigned to uh, increase their visibility um, on land and, uh, you know, as uh, sightings of, uh, of them themselves. Yeah, and, That's and maybe they're moving on to a better bang for their buck. They're like, "Fuck these Americans! They can't can't crack through any of this uh, mainstream secrecy. We're flying uh, all over the place." Yeah, well, I, I wonder if it couldn't be the descriptions evolving. Like, are you still searching the same parameters? Oh. Like, maybe more people are coming more to terms with the term orb or or something like that. Or it could just be that the, you know the new iPhone came out and people aren't looking up anymore they're looking down <laughs> uh i don't think so i i mean when you see a drop like this you know yeah 868 to 410 when it's been climbing every on a year, very yeah. Yeah. Uh, steep line something big just happened this last year i wonder something really big some uh some uh you know, these are conscious, just like the orbs I saw were on, under, you know, intelligent, conscious control. These sightings are under conscious control. You know, they are deciding where to go and, and uh, when to go. And uh, some, some, somebody in the organization there uh, decided they were going to pull out over half their orbs in the United States and go somewhere else. 
Have you I ever, don't think they went home. Have you ever thought of the conspiratorial angle of, of uh, it being like, you know, somebody filtering through the reports from the inside of MUFON? Um, I don't follow. Like, like, well, like what if they, these now guys, that we know that everyone's say, into every computer system and you no. know, it's, it seems like the government's got access to it. Yeah. Anyway. Or, 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 you know, you hear about MUFON being infiltrated by intelligence agencies or whatever. And what if they saw you coming out with this book and they're like, shit, man, this guy's actually onto something here. Uh, let's, let's scrub half of these cases from 2014 before he continues on his research. Well, they would have to do that through MUFON. Yeah, yeah, yeah. These are Muf- these are MUFON cases. Yeah, I'm talking I, about like an insider in MUFON, like getting paid through the intelligence community or whatever. <laughs> Anything's possible, but uh, I I think that's highly unlikely. Yeah, I think they are. They have made a decision here. This is strategic, <laughs> and there is a reason that they're doing this. You know, uh, I mean, there are they're very very uh, they're smart. You know, obviously, if you can come, you know, they could be 100 light years away. They probably know how to bend space and that sort of thing. So these are highly intelligent people. And I'm sure they've done this on other planets many times before. So, you know, I don't think they're new to the dance. I think they have a system set up. And I think this is uh, their way of... uh, uh, when they when they decide that at a certain point in a society's development that they can start revealing themselves without causing you know cu- cultural disintegration, which can happen if you change uh, you know the belief system dramatically, and I think uh, there there is some conscious decision here as, uh, uh, with this big drop in sightings in the United States. It's there's there's a reason behind it. I've just got to. You know, think it through. Yeah, yeah. You know? Well, let's let's talk about about that a little bit about uh, your synopsis of of who's piloting these uh, vehicles because right. you're definitely not afraid to to come up to your own conclusions here, which I appreciate. Like, I think lately, or or you know, even we've done a lot of shows and all that, and we talk to a lot of people in the community now and then, and it seems like ufology is split between people that are are they don't want to come to any conclusion at all. Like whether it's the ETH, the extraterrestrial hypothesis or black projects or whatever, but you've definitely put your neck out here and said, look, this is what I think it is because of the the research you've done into all these cases. So were you, were you, I mean, obviously you're conscious of sticking your neck out like that, or you might not even think of it as sticking your neck out, but what did your, I guess, talk about that process a little bit and, and why you, why you really think that, they are being piloted by some, some, somebody from another planet. Uh, well, yeah, I did know that, uh, <sighs> that, that I would uh, come across a lot of people who are, uh, you know, just think I'm, I'm way out of bounds and I'm some sort of radical guy, uh, <clears throat> trying to wreck the system because <laughs> MUFON MUFON tends to be quite conservative, actually. Yeah, they really yeah. are quite yeah, conservative. Yeah. They don't they don't like new stuff, and I definitely was new. New and uh, <laughs> most of them uh, don't like to come to real firm conclusions. It's always just wonder if you know, and uh, like you know, the ancient aliens. Is it possible that? Yeah, yeah. you know that kind of thing. And I wanted to uh, get all the facts and information that come to what. I consider to be 
reasonable conclusions based upon fact. And every conclusion I come to in the book, I think, is based upon uh, factual information that I have. And uh, I just happen to have the balls to do it. You know, uh, most uh, uh, <clears throat> I think most of the uh, MUFON researchers really don't want to put themselves out on a limb. But I'm sort of, uh, you know, I'm just, yeah, I am. Yeah, I'm kind of that, you know. Most most uh, military pilots are a little wacky. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, you can't care about your life too much if you're a military pilot. You know, so uh, I guess I it's like uh, my attitude has has always been, who gives a damn? It, I find this to be true, and I'm saying it. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's interesting because you hear people in the community even saying, "Oh, I haven't seen a you know any evidence of extraterrestrial." Uh, contact and all, but yet you've researched hundreds and hundreds of cases and, you know, yeah, sure. There's not, uh, you're not going to find like proof that it was a guy from this star system and this, but you, but you're definitely, if you looked at Occam's razor and you read through all the cases, the the most logical conclusion is that, yeah, that's, that's what's going on. Like, unless, unless there's some big smoke screen and it's like, you know, these uh, X-File type black ops, ro- uh, you know, synthetic robots that are disguising their or craft the in orange escaping. orbs or some sort of yeah. crazy thing. That is the logical well, conclusion. That's when you need Occam's razor to rule, rule out all those crazy things. Yeah, you know, that, it's true. There though. are that, some very plausible explanations. And uh, the, I think the explanations in, uh, and conclusions I come to are the simplest and most rational. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and, as opposed to a lot of this other stuff. Yeah, Let me t- yeah. just talk about evidence here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's do that because that really aggravates me. Yeah, uh, a lot of the the uh, the the uh, <clears throat> UFO uh, field investigators will say, "Well, you know, eyewitness uh, testimony—that's nothing. That's not evidence." You know, I beg to differ. Uh, I was a trial lawyer, and. In, in a big city, and so I had lots of cases, including, you know, felonies, you know, rapes, murders, all that, armed robbery. Um, I have seen people sentenced to death on the basis of only eyewitness testimony. Yeah. So don't tell me that eyewitness testimony is not good evidence because the, the uh, legal system in the United States and every other uh, uh, country, free country anyway, considers eyewitness testimony to be very uh, valuable. It has, it has to be tested as for credibility. That's why you have cross-examination. Yeah, yeah. But it, uh, if I, the way I figure it, if our legal system are willing, is willing to uh, consider uh, eyewitness testimony uh, to be credible enough to sentence somebody to death, I think at least – MUFON and uh, the field investigators should uh, be willing to accept eyewitness testimony for uh, evidence and proof of uh, UFOs. Exactly. Yeah. You know? So anyway, I, I, uh, I think I, I know as an attorney, eyewitness testimony is very, very valuable. And uh, it, when you uh, establish its credibility, it's very uh, legitimate evidence. Yeah, and, and you have uh, multiple witnesses, I'm sure, in a lot of cases. Yes. And, yeah. I have people all over the world describing precisely the same thing. Yeah. 
you know, and if you if you have uh, there are all right, let's say uh, there are twenty people who witness a man shoot another man. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and uh, all those witnesses come in and describe exactly the same thing. I think that guy's going to be convicted. Yeah. And I think that it's very credible. And so you have millions of people around the world seeing exactly the same thing. I think that is very, very credible evidence that it's true. I think a reasonable people would come to the conclusion that uh, that many people seeing exactly the same thing are describing something that's a true phenomenon. Yeah, yeah. It's not like one of one odd case here and there. It's it's right. thousands. That's so, why I yeah. did. That's what I did. What I did. Uh, you know, uh, as I said, the too many uh, uh, MUFON investigators focus just on one and done. Their their case. Yeah. You know, yeah. and uh, they don't know that. They don't know if there's 10 more like this, if they're the only ones, you know, because no one really looks and compares and puts these all together in a big picture. Yeah. And uh, I have. And uh, I know that there are thousands and thousands of people all saying exactly the same thing. Okay, and I have absolutely no doubt in my mind uh, that uh, they are uh, uh, legitimate and they are. Uh, uh, flying craft, not from this earth. I right. have no doubt in my mind. Okay, let's talk a little bit about, let's get granular on this a little bit. Uh, okay. So you've mapped all these out in North America, like you mentioned. And, right. And they're craft and they're flying in similar patterns. So you talk about right. what you've uh, what you've come up with uh, on that map and stuff too, right? These things are where they're coming from and going right. to and, and some more yeah. evidence around that. Yeah, that was a real pain in the ass, let me tell you, ah. uh, to, to figure out where they were uh, coming from and where they're going to. I mean, it is one thing to put on a map uh, where these things have been seen. You put a dot. You know, I had to do it county by county, by the way. I'm sure you noticed that on the yeah. map, yeah. which was you know very time consuming. I had to uh, find out the county of every single sighting, over 2,000 sightings. <laughs> uh, but to figure out where they're flying from and going to, uh, I had to look at each case and try and chart uh, where they were seen, what direction they were flying in, when they were seen, to come up with, see if I could find some sort of uh, travel patterns. And eventually I did. I started charting it. And uh, <clears throat> you, uh, you probably... Uh, uh, have the map there. Yeah, Darren's looking at it right now. Yeah, I found out that they were coming from four different directions, from four different places. Yeah, if I trace their patterns back to where they must have come from, they're they're coming from a from Lake Erie. That's one that covers a, a good section of the Northeast. They fly, and by the way, they have regular, very regular flight patterns. Uh, a, they want to be seen, so they never come out until it's dark, because it'd be really hard to see uh, the the type of uh, um, sphere, the color of sphere they have in, during the day. But it, it, at night, it's it's like someone shining a beacon in your eyes. Mm -hmm. Anyway, they they come out 
with with a few rare exceptions. They come out of their bases where they come from at 8.30 at night, and they go home at 10.30 at night, year-round. <laughs> uh, it's very, very regular. And they come from uh, they come from Lake Erie in the water. They they are they are underwater, uh, and uh, there have been uh, a number of sightings. Each one of these places I'm telling you, there are a number of actual eyewitness sightings of these these uh, orbs going down into the water in these places. Yeah. Anyway, they we have those sightings plus the traffic routes that I they traced back to where they were coming from. Anyway, there's one in Lake Erie. There's one in the Pacific Ocean off the coast of Los Angeles. Is that near Catalina Island or something like that? It's, it's uh, yeah, that, it's not far that, from it. Yeah. Because I've heard other a whole bunch of other mysteries around yeah, Catalina. Something's yeah. going on there. Right. It's right around that general area, yes. Um, and that's, yeah, that's right. Seal Beach is out. It's That's directly off the coast of uh, Seal Beach, which is just little bit north of uh, Los Angeles. And anyway, the other uh, location from which these uh, orbs are uh, coming is uh, off the coast of Miami in the Atlantic Ocean. And then uh, they, the, those are the ones I saw. They were coming uh, from uh, Miami. They go up along uh, the east coast of the United States, uh, all the way up to New England, and then come back. And I saw them about uh, uh, close to 1030. You want to guess what direction they, I've given you a lot of information. You want to guess what direction they were heading in? I think they're south. Right. They were going south, southeast. Yeah, back to base. (laughs) Right. That's absolutely. And had I seen them at 830, I'd have seen them going north. (laughs) And anyway, the other uh, the other base is in um, the Gulf of Mexico off the coast of Sarasota. Yeah. And that that uh, the orbs from that base uh, cover uh, the the co- the Gulf Coast. All the way over to Texas and back. My so, mom's there. My mom's there right now. And I was telling her I was reading. Where, your where is she? In Sarasota. So I was like, oh, yeah. Right, right when I got an email from her, I was reading your book. and I turned the page and you're talking about Sarasota. So I'm like, mom, you better look out of, out of the sky at uh, between 830 and 1030 every night. Tell her, tell her to take a chair down to Lido Beach. Lido Beach. Uh, yep. Okay. Uh, that's that's right in the center of Sarasota. Okay. That's the big beach. Take, get out of beach chair. And sit there for a couple of nights. She'll see some. Nice. It's almost guaranteed. <laughs>
That's funny because there's actually been, you know, that's been rippling through the alternative world for years is that Lake Erie is home to some sort of underwater UFO base. Oh, well, really? it is. Yeah. Yeah. I think they share uh, bases. That's what I'm just thinking of now. Like Catalina, too, same thing, a lot, long time. Maybe they're these different types of uh, races are sharing bases. <laughs> well, I say that's dolphins, good. man. Yeah. yeah they're getting dolphins. ready to take off like Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. <laughs> yeah. Could be. I only got halfway through that book and I felt like I was going I felt like I was going crazy, so I didn't yeah, it up. The movies are kind of the same. Yeah. Yeah. Right. But anyway, uh that's uh that's how that's their traffic routes. And um they have uh they have been seen uh, you know, very closely. Uh there you see a lot of them uh coming out of Erie. Uh Erie, uh, out of Erie, they go across um like in New York, upstate New York, uh, and in Pennsylvania, then they uh, a lot of then they they head west, uh, also across Lake Michigan. There are a ton of them being seen going across Lake Michigan, in Chicago, a uh, ton of them all the time going over there. There are certain areas where people, you know, like people watch the sunset. There are certain areas that people go out to see the orbs at night. Huh. They're that regular. That sounds a uh, lot like Brown Mountain. Yeah. Yeah. Which is in the Appalachians, I believe. Hmm. Uh yeah. Uh Brown uh Mountain. That's in North Carolina. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The that's probably there's there's a fine line that divides these Miami orbs. They don't go inland too far. So uh North Carolina is probably uh the Erie orbs. They come down uh, that far. They sort of spread out. They go south, uh, east, and west. Huh. And uh, <clears throat> that they're probably eerie orbs. Um, but anyway, that's the story on that. Um, I, I'll tell you something else uh, that uh, the people, uh, most people who who uh, you know try to learn about orbs, don't realize is that. There is with every orb group a uh, a mother craft, um, and it is uh, it's triangular and it is absolutely huge. Um, I'll tell you what was a triangular craft was the Phoenix Lights, right? Right. Remember that in a triangle. What they do is um, it's some sort of uh, as I said it's uh, it's a home base. These uh, the the triangles are absolutely huge, and uh, they, uh, uh, a number of witnesses have seen these orange orbs go up, and they attach themselves on the bottom of these uh, triangles. These big, they're big black. At least they look black. You know, it's nighttime. Under underneath these big black triangles, and uh, sometimes they, uh, they're like lightning bugs. You know, around a light, but they, they, they have sometimes are all around the triangle hmm. you know they've outlined the whole thing so people say i saw like a flying triangle well yeah you did that that's that huge triangular craft with all these orbs attached underneath and uh you know what you want my opinion on what that's all about well yeah because i mean of course <laughs> there's there's been the big triangle book too we're gonna have uh, david marler on who wrote about the triangles and that's a whole separate phenomenon which people say is uh 
uh, all you know man-made stuff and and who knows what's uh, going on with that but i'd like i'd like to hear your take on it and i also like you to talk about the size too we had somebody commenting in the chat room about what kind of size they are so these, let's talk these about triangular that. craft i oh, know they uh <laughs> the orbs themselves oh the orbs and the and the okay. triangular craft for that all matter. right well let's do the triangular thing uh they're they're all part of the same bunch the the triangles and the orbs they they're the orbs are sort of the uh <laughs> The small craft that uh, that come down and do their uh, nightly duty of uh, 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 getting us used to them. Uh, that's their job. I, I wouldn't want that job, actually. You think think of how miserable that job is. First of all, you're in an orb underwater, you know, the whole day, you know, all night, <clears throat> and then you uh, have to come up, do your two-hour job, and you go back there again. I think that's what. Uh, the uh, the big triangle is all about. That's their home base, and I think uh, these are intelligent beings. And I think uh, they could go a little crazy like we would doing the same thing day after day. And I think they actually go up there for R and R. Up up where? Up to the uh, home base, the uh, triangle. Oh, oh, I see the what you're saying. Crap. They are. Oh. Even- you know, I told you how big that orb was. Oh, I, think. I see what you mean. Yeah, yeah. Feet across. Yeah. If you see, uh, <clears throat> when you see these uh, uh, big black triangles, um, they, the orbs look like little tiny dots around the edges. Yeah. And you could just imagine then how big that triangle craft is. It's got to be absolutely enormous. Yeah. You know, it could be a couple miles wide. And there's and been a lot I, of sightings I, of those at different sizes too, right? Like a couple football fields you hear, like Walmart-sized triangles, that type of thing. Well, uh, the only uh, the only triangles that I found in my research are the ones that uh, where these orbs go park themselves. Okay. Are, and are I, I think, in my opinion, <laughs> I swear to God, I try to think like they think. They're not like, as I said, they're not these weird creatures, you know, that uh, <clears throat> the Hollywood likes to make them into. They're intelligent people just like we are. And and, and I, I know as a pilot, you get tired of being in the cockpit after a while and you need to go to the officer's club and have a drink, you know. Yeah. And I, I think they probably only uh, just like we rotate soldiers in and out of, of a, a, a theater of war. Uh, I think they would have to do that with intelligent creatures, in- intelligent beings. And I think they go up. I think that they park uh, up. I know I'm starting to sound like one of these tinfoil guys, but I really do think this is what's up. <clears throat> uh, to me, it's logical anyway. They go up. They park. They uh, can get out of their uh, their vehicle and uh, you know go inside, and I'm sure – that is an enormously big place, which probably has all sorts of, you know, social activities and uh, interesting things to do. I think that's the, as I said, these are bright people. They, they're not, they're not going to sit around and stare at the wall all day. Hmm. They wouldn't be satisfied with that. Really. They're no, very I, bright. And they, they, you have to accommodate for that. Just like we do. Like when our, um, we're, we're starting to train astronauts to go to Mars. And we're worried about it's a six month journey. And one of the main things that the psychologists are doing 
is is trying to figure out how we can get them there and back without them going crazy. Yeah, you know no, that, I mean? that makes sense. Yeah, you have to have stimulation for intelligent creatures, and uh, how long can you have them? You know, confined to a uh, um, underwater craft, you know, and just uh, go through the same routine flight every night. I, I, I think they they need some uh, uh, some change in their environment. So I really do think that's that's what that's all about. Yeah. So the triangle would be the ship that's able to uh, travel, I suppose, travel the distances. Oh, oh sure. I think that's probably. Uh, what, uh, what, what comes through the wormhole is, uh, they probably are all inside that thing. So, so you think that that is more logical than the black ops type thing? Like people saying, oh, this could be, uh, you know, uh, <clears throat> unmanned drones, that type of thing. And then what about, what about the inner earth? Like, is there a chance that these are a different race of beings coming from the inner earth? Have, has anything suggested that at all? No. Not that I've seen. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not. Uh, I don't think. Uh, well, I'm just a uh, fairly rational guy, and uh, I, uh, from what I've seen, I just uh, I don't buy this inner earth yeah. thing. But, yeah, or, I mean, or, I, look, or you know the, what? I have researched ops, it. So. Yeah, I don't want to be close-minded. Uh, the black ops thing. Well, maybe they, <laughs> maybe the United States government does have some sort of black ops using. Uh, black triangles, but uh, so do these uh, beings from another planet because their orbs attach themselves uh, yeah. <laughs> to the bottom of them. I don't think the I don't think they're attaching themselves to the bottom of an Earth-made craft. Yeah, no matter how far ahead our, our propulsion technology is or whatever, that's a whole other ball of wax. Is trying to you know uh, mechanically attach things to other flying vehicles and stuff like yeah, that. Right? Yeah, right. Yeah. And they do it. They do it all the time. They they frequently go up and attach themselves to those. That's why they, so many people say they see a flying triangle. Oh yeah, I mean they, that's a they pr- say they were in a triangle formation. Yes, they were because yeah. <laughs> they were on a triangle. That's what what's going on there. But you know something interesting, uh, and Graham, you probably know from reading the book, but uh, the. The orb itself is not the vehicle. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that next, so I'm glad right. you're talking about it. Yeah, yeah. the orb is uh, the attention getter. Uh, as I said, uh, they, uh, they uh, starting in the uh, early part of the, this uh, century, uh, they decided they want to be seen. Uh, they want, uh, you know, it's... Uh, the, it's acclimation, I think. They're trying to get us used to seeing them, so we're not afraid of them. So when they do finally make contact with us, we won't have an Orson Welles deal. Uh, <clears throat> but anyway, uh, what, what was I just talking about? About oh. the, uh, about the yeah, orb the uh, disguising yeah. the craft itself, right. probably, right? Yeah. What, what these are, and, and uh, there have been a number of witnesses that have seen this happen. Um, they have all sorts of different shaped vehicles, different size, different shapes, large, small, just like we have with our, our, our aircraft. You know, we have small fighter jets. We, we have B-52s. You know, we have all sorts of things like that, different sizes, different functions. But anyway, <clears throat> these uh, vehicles, when they're on the, uh, the uh, let's let them uh, have them look at us assignment, 
the uh, <clears throat> there is a substance that comes out of the bottom of these crafts, and it, it wraps up around and forms a sphere. And that's what you're seeing. You're seeing the cloak. There are, and it's not. Uh, there's not only just one, always one craft inside. I have a photo uh, <clears throat> that I was on a case about eh, two months ago. Someone took a photo, looked just like an orange orb. <clears throat> However, I blew it up, and there were about, I'd say, 15 vehicles inside this orb. Huh. And you can see them. They're, they're like spots all through the orb. And they were in the process of leaving the orb. On several sides, and it's a it's a really weird. I'll send it to you guys. You can post yeah, it somewhere. Yeah, right? yeah, for Seriously. sure. Yeah, I'd like to. I'd like to have a couple of links for some it, it, photographs. There, I, I've never seen. I've I've looked at thousands of photos. I've never seen never seen uh, a one of these orb divisions in the process. <clears throat> I don't know if I don't know if you know what I'm talking about. A lot of people see an orb, and it splits, and it's two. Right. Then they split, and they're four. They go, oh my God, this is magic. No, yeah, it's yeah, not. Yeah. What's happening is that there can be uh, five or six vehicles inside of one cloak. One of the ships did a cloak, and they're all inside that that one cloak. When <clears throat> a ship is going to, one of their vehicles is going to leave, they put a cloak around them before they go out of the cloak. Out of the cloak they're in. Are you with me? Uh, yeah, it makes total sense. To so me. if you look, if you're looking at this happening, you've got this uh, this uh, orange cloak, this orange sphere, and all of a sudden another orange sphere uh, comes out of it. Well, that's a vehicle leaving it. Yeah, leaving and the formation. Could, really, it's just all yeah, it is, right, right? Yeah. right. And then, then uh, all those uh, the one I uh, have a photograph of. As I said, there's probably 15 vehicles in there. They could quickly go from one to 16 vehicles. Yeah. Just in a second. All the, uh, all 16, all 15 vehicles inside would form their cloaks inside and, and go, go through that, uh, the cloak they're in. And all of a sudden you've got 16 orbs. That's how they do that. Yeah. And they, you know, people have seen them do it. No. And, Go ahead. Did you come across any any uh, like when when you when you, a lot of people talk about orbs, uh, it's got a real spiritual new agey connotation because people think yeah. of it as uh, you know your your uh, light beings or your souls and the that whole there's a whole shamanic uh, orb type thing too. Now is that would you think that was a completely different orb phenomena and or and and or did you read any of those types of accounts in your research? Uh, no, I didn't. Okay. Uh, so that's a different, uh, different thing, right? I, I don't I, I have some friends who are ghost hunters and they they claim they get photos of uh orbs, they show me their photos and they say these are ghosts. You know, maybe they are. I don't know. I think there are ghosts. I, I think they're uh <clears throat> they are um people from another dimension. You know, I think the universe is multidimensional and I think there are you know, uh, uh, occupying the same spot I'm in right now, there could be five or six different dimensions. So anyway, that's what I think uh, ghosts are. But I, I've, I have not spent a year reading cases about those. Okay. Yeah, uh, yeah. So anyway, the uh, these spiritual orbs, you know, uh, 
they, uh, I don't know. I don't know what, uh, what they are, but these are not spiritual orbs. These are concrete vehicles, uh, you know, that have uh, a bubble around them. Yeah, no, I just want to differentiate the, the two there. Yeah, and also another thing with these orbs is they can uh, they can turn that off in a second. They can go black in an instant, and they frequently do. Uh, you know, it's a funny. The government says, we don't know anything about these orbs or UFOs at all. Very, very frequently, the orbs are seen with a uh, a fighter jet chasing them right behind them. Yeah. Or a helicopter following them, yeah, yeah. you know, and they're and they're they're U.S. military, and of course they say they don't know anything about it, and uh, it's so silly anyway. Do we really think we're going to send up an F-16, and uh, they're going to try to chase down a craft that can travel light years, <laughs> you know, in an instant? I wondered uh, that myself. Why they even bother so chasing them? Like they must know. Or, or is it is it still so scattered that they make their pilots pretend that they don't know what it is, and the pilots don't know no yet? Somebody calling the shots up there knows that these are orange orbs, and the pilots are never going to catch them anyways. But they go on this wild goose chase just in case. Like, how does that work? No, uh, I think. Um, well, there's a couple things going on here. There's a second reason why uh, the government doesn't won't admit there are UFOs, and one is they're afraid of uh, social disintegration and panic. But the other reason is because uh, the government, uh, one of the primary responsibilities is is our security, and therefore they uh, need to uh, have us be assured that they they control our airspace. And these UFOs screw that whole theory up uh, because they're constantly penetrating our, our airspace. And um, uh, the, uh, the government uh, wants uh, – comes up with all sorts of crazy explanations to convince everybody, not, you know, just like the Chinese lantern thing. Or, or you know, oh, you saw Venus and, uh, instead. Of, that wasn't an word. That was Venus. Or a you know cometer shooting star, whatever. Uh, that's another reason uh, <clears throat> that they uh, vehemently deny they exist. Because uh, if they admit it, then they are admitting that uh, they have an airspace they can't control. Yeah. And uh, I, I, I maybe uh, they're up there. Uh, you know, people are seeing these things, especially orange orbs. They're everywhere. Uh, and when they see jets after them, uh, and and the the things and the orbs tend to either blink out or just take off. You know, they they travel instantaneously. They can move. They can be in one spot, and then an instant later be ten miles away. You know, uh, and uh, so the they tend to disappear. And maybe maybe the government is trying to convince the public. They know the public is seeing these things. They have to know that. And uh, maybe they're trying to convince the public that, that they're in control. That they're on top you know, of the situation. They, yes. They, <laughs> they, yes they, these orange orbs are coming in, but you see us chasing them away. <laughs> you, know, you know, seriously. Yeah. And then, they're, yeah, they're, maybe. they're demonstrating that they have uh, control of the airspace. Or at least awareness, I guess. Yes, yeah. right. Uh, and, uh, but, yeah, UFOs do cause a big problem for their air security position. 
Have you noticed any uh, nuclear agenda amongst you orbs? Like, I know you hear a lot in the UFO community about UFOs, you know, shutting down nuclear silos or at least monitoring them in, in some form. Have you noticed well, anything like that with orbs? Yes. Um, orbs first appeared in 1940. Uh, <clears throat> and uh, they, of course, and they appeared around... Uh, the uh, you know do- during the time uh, that World War II was going on, which was the largest conflagration on Earth uh, up till uh, that time, and they they appeared in the 1940s, uh, and also, have you ever heard of Foo Fighters? Yeah, I was going to ask you about that. Yeah. Okay, <clears throat> I can tell you what those were. Um, the uh, Orbs are, uh, the big ones are almost always orange, although they can, if they feel like it, <laughs> become technicolor, green, they blue, they can do whatever they want to do. But they're normally, uh, the big ones are normally uh, orange red. But uh, they have um, unmanned uh, drones that are about the size of a basketball uh. Uh, that they send down. And these things come right up to your face. And they, they sort of look like uh, the way people describe what they're doing to them almost uh, sounds as though they're being scanned because they come up within a foot of somebody's face and then go around their head, go up and down their body, and just move along. And um, if you read about Foo Fighters, the pilots, uh, you know, a lot of our pilots were uh, claiming they're seeing these red balls. You know, beside their plane. Yeah. I'm sure those were the drones. Hmm. Uh, and they were probably checking checking us out. Or it's... or whatever they were doing. But uh, <clears throat> they did appear. Uh, they appeared in the uh, 40s, particularly after the first atomic detonation. That's back to your nuclear thing, Darren. Yeah, yeah. right. Bingo, bingo. And then. Yeah, and then, uh, as you know, in the uh, 1950s, uh, we were the first to get an atomic weapon, you know, and uh, that was, you know, in the early 1940s. That was, what, what 44, I think, with the uh, 44, 45 Hiroshima and Nagasaki. I don't remember. Was it which, whatever year that was? It was oh, either 45. Whatever. Uh, and, uh, <clears throat> They were real interested in that. They were. They started showing up quite a bit uh, during that time period. And then, as you know, in the 1950s, everybody got into this, particularly Russia. And there were uh, detonations going off all over the place. We were testing a nuclear weapon like every other day. And there were uh, a lot of orb, orange orbs appearing in the 1950s. Hmm. And I think it had to do with nuclear weapons. And there, there are uh, cases of, uh, you know, the uh, <clears throat> uh, orbs being seen over um, bases with nuclear, uh, you know, n- nuclear weapons where they stored them. Uh, I think that's probably credible. Yeah, that's uh, they seem to be interested in that. Uh, and uh, anyway. It's interesting, though. They kind of dis- after the 1950s, they disappeared, and they didn't really start uh, coming back until um, you know uh, 
around the year 2000. Yeah. And then of course, like you said, the 2012 and 13 were stellar years for these orbs. So it just, like, oh, what was, yes. I wonder what's going on that, uh, that is, uh, is responsible for that increase. Kind of weird. Um, I, I think, um, if you add up what they're doing, uh, you know, I'm trying, you know, when you're, when you're a trial lawyer, you're always looking for motives, you know, and, you know, you're trying to play, uh, play a game with the district attorney and trying to disprove a motive. And I'm always looking for the, for a motive as to what they're doing. And I, I sort of add, add up their behavior They're They're first of all, in the early, uh, early part of the century, all of a sudden, Rather than being stealthy and rarely being seen, now they want to be seen by everybody. And they, you know, their big bright orange things come out at night. And <clears throat> to me, um, there's only one reason you would, instead of, they could fly around these vehicles and never be seen, you know, uh, because they, uh, <clears throat> they, it would be hard to see them. But if you, a vehicle puts a big, shiny cloak around it with a bright orange light glowing from it, you're going to look at it. Yeah. So I think it was ostensible that they said, we, we have now moved in the period. We want them to know we're here, <clears throat> but we don't want to scare them. Yeah. And I, th- I think that's why, first of all, they're silent, totally silent, and they, they are very peaceful looking. I think I don't think it's a, a coincidence that the orbs are made to look exactly like a setting sun, because that's something that we all love to watch. We like the color, and they're in this, and, and the sun is silently, pleasantly, beautifully moving down below the horizon, and that's exactly how they designed their cloak. The other thing is, it's not very photographable either like if you you know it's the one thing you try and take a photo of the moon or the sun or an orb or a light in the sky and it's it's you know you can see it but it's not like earth-shattering evidence so uh, you know it's also not easy to to prove so it's not going to shake things up too much you know that's that's interesting that's interesting about uh as i said uh, before this century uh the there were never any good pictures of ufos never but if you go online, <clears throat> you can see thousands, thousands of excellent pictures of orange orbs and, and, uh, and videos, too. Uh, and you can uh, I've seen I've seen them with uh, flying over with the triangle. There's mm-hmm. a lot of those. So, um, you know, the, the government used to say, oh, there's no evidence. Well, they are uh, highly photographed. Uh, they do are, they are hard to get, uh, there is sort of a, a pastel glow to it, which is sometimes when you photograph something like that, it looks a bit blurry and that's just because of the lighting with the thing. So is there um, anywhere you can recommend that people would go to, to check out photos at all besides starting to sift through like, uh, yeah, you know, just, I'll tell you what, go online, Google it and say pictures of orange orbs. Take your pick. There are thousands of them, literally thousands of them, videos and photos. And um, they, uh, you know, they do uh, they they do a lot of entertaining things. You know, as I was saying, they 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 decided they want to be seen. 
they put this beautiful cloak around them that people are going to see and and they but they don't want to appear menacing so they're very quiet and uh they sort of they go very very slowly and they're they're almost always at a pretty low altitude and i think that's all part of their motive uh they want us to know they're there but they want us to know that i think the message is we're here but don't be frightened yeah yeah i think that is their message and uh it's interesting too they clearly do not they're going out of their way to avoid any confrontation with us you know the uh <clears throat> the jets the uh, helicopters come along these things take off and um it's interesting uh that uh even though the orbs go where the people are, they go to the big cities, they go where the population centers are, and every large city has had a tremendous number of sightings over this uh, the last decade. But one large city has never had one totally uh, void of orange orb appearances. They don't go there. Vegas. Nope. Salt Lake City. <laughs> No. <laughs> do, you, do you feel like you're on Jeopardy? <laughs> what is, how about what is Washington, D.C.? Where the orange orbs don't go. <laughs> they don't go. They don't go. It's uh, like verboten. And I think the reason is, uh, ever since 9-11, you know what is everywhere, all around Washington, D.C.? Anti-aircraft. Surface-to-air missiles. Yeah. They are there's thousands of them, and plus so you've got uh, you know Wright Patterson Air, uh, not Wright Patterson. Um, eh, I can't think of it. Anyway, Andrews Air Force Base. It's right. down there with uh, tons of fighter planes uh, ready to go. Plus they they have fighter jets in the air 24 hours a day. <clears throat> they know very very well. They fly over there. They're going to, there's going to be a missile coming up at them and, uh, they don't want it. Obviously they mm. know they're smart people. They know to stay away from there. You know, you know, the whole idea in my opinion is that they want to, they're, they are in the process of, uh, very slowly introducing themselves as, uh, and, uh, getting us used to them, convincing us that they're not going to harm us. They don't want to fight with us. That's why they're avoiding Washington, D.C. And to me, they are clearly heading toward uh, a uh, eventual contact. I don't think it'll be too long either. Yeah, I hope not. Right. Yeah, they uh, they obviously hit their peak in terms of this, uh, the first stage of their promotion. Uh, they hit their peak in the United States uh, in 2013. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they're moving on to something else now. And uh, it'll take me a little while. I'll figure it out. I really will. Is that what you're going to be doing? I was going to ask you next is it must be uh, quite the year and a half for you uh, since your sighting and then since this investigation. So what's your plans coming up? Well, I'm going to keep a ta- keep tabs on this and I'm uh, I'm awaiting the development of the worldwide uh, MUFON system uh, because I want to see I want to get a, a do the same thing around the world that I did in the United States. I want to get a, uh, you know, a baseline on, uh, the, the, the countries of the world. And I want to see if 
with our the number of orange orbs uh, declining by 50% here, uh, are they uh, going to start climbing in a lot of other countries? Yeah, yeah. I uh, my guess is that they will, and uh, I think the the initial uh, period of uh, <clears throat> um, acclimation is over. The the uh, the the mass visual uh, demonstrations in the sky is is over in the United States, and they're going to start something else here. Hmm. Uh, and I think it's probably the increased landings. Yeah. If I if I that's my uh, rational guess is it's probably increased landings, and I think they're going to start in other parts of the world to do exactly what they did here. Are you going to write about it again or? Oh yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to keep an eye on it. Okay. But I've already decided, uh, you know, I told you that, uh, none, uh, there are not enough MUFON people to, to taking the big look at things, Right. you know, they just tend to just folk. They sort of sensationalize a case, you know, uh, and <clears throat> I've, um, I've had conversations with, some of the leaders about this, that they really need to, you know, to, to me, to me, too many of the conventions are, you know, Roswell, Barney and Betty Hill, you know, the Phoenix lights, Randall you know, yeah, right. And, uh, you know, they're interesting, but, you know, we've heard about these things, uh, you know, on every UFO program on TV, every conference. And I think we need to move into an, a different type of research that's new. You know, it's like cutting, cutting edge research. Here's what but I don't really No, Go ahead. Go finish that thought. Oh, well, anyway. Uh, so I think what has always fascinated me are crop circles. Oh, uh, yeah. That's I, a whole other topic. It is. And well, no one's ever put that together. You know, it's just like, uh, here's one here. Isn't this interesting? Here's one here. Isn't that interesting? Uh, and uh, sort of like all the UFO cases, they're, they're sort of separate little pieces. I want to try to put it all together. Uh, where they are, uh, what are the what are the patterns? You know, I, w- I, w- I would like to get a uh, a, a, a picture of every single uh, crop circle that that has ever been uh, uh, found and photographed and they there have to be categories there yeah there i think, I, think uh, I think people have some people have kind of made made uh some headways towards that yeah they've made a stab at yeah. it but uh not to my satisfaction we we had a we had a guy on that uh that, that claimed he makes them himself and then we also had a, a researcher on there talking about it too so it's been uh, it's been a topic here a couple times in gray america <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there yeah. are there are a few people that uh, probably go out with you know a board and press these things down, but some of them you couldn't do it. You you could not do it, uh, you know, in uh, in one night. Yeah, that's what uh, I think. They are they're so, just so sophisticated. Yeah, and uh, so you know you have to rule out just like you do with UFOs. You have to rule out some of the uh, the crazy cases. You know, and there were some uh, that I read, you know, when I was doing my research that I, I just said, this this is incredible. You know, I, I look at it as I would like a, a lawyer in a courtroom 
you know, if 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 is something credible or not credible for evidence. Yeah, and, yeah. and there are there were cases I just uh, <clears throat> dismissed, uh, which you have to do. And uh, there there are going to be there's going to be always some hoaxes. So can you can you send us uh, some information on that database? Because I donated recently to a MUFON uh, database Kickstarter, I think it was. And we talked about it on the show once. I was trying to give it a little bit of plugging, but it, it really didn't yeah. do very good. And I was like, how can MUFON come up with a Kickstarter database and it just flops like that? Like just having that many members across the world, you think you'd be able to, to make a better go at it than well, that? Well, so. let me tell you what happened. <laughs> Uh, they, they started off a fundraiser for this thing and it didn't work. And they, uh, for whatever reason, uh, they said, well, they didn't reach their goal. So they sent everybody their money back. Uh, and then, uh, uh they regrouped. Hello. Hello. Okay, we're back with Terry there after a slight technical difficulty. And Terry, you were just in the middle of explaining what happened to Mu- no Mufon was rekindling their Kickstarter campaign right. after the first failure. Yeah. Right, and they've regrouped and it's uh, they're organized now. It's going to be a go. And uh, I was uh, I was at. Are you still there? You bet. I, I'm all nervous now. I'm oh, paranoid. No. <laughs> <laughs> I, I thought maybe I said something. No. Anyway. Uh, you should probably get Jan Harzen on. He's uh, the, the head of uh, U.S. MUFON. He's yeah. the one who's uh, making all the changes. You know, he's really uh, bringing us into, uh, you know, a, a modern organization. You know, you know, one thing we haven't talked about, you probably, I don't know, are you getting tired? Uh, we're going to have to start wrapping it up pretty soon here. But, okay. Yeah, but one thing, ahead. let's talk about quickly are the beings. The beings have been seen. Right, right. Okay. And do you want to talk about that or not? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, okay. You bet. Um, I, I'll, I'll make it short if we're going to, if we were heading toward a wrap here, but anyway, <clears throat> the beings have been seen. There are two types. Uh, there are the, uh, really tall ones. They're about, uh, eight, nine feet tall. Uh, they're very thin and muscular. Um, they, they wear, uh, some sort of a shiny black bodysuit. And they have faces that are, uh, they're very human-like, except their uh, eyes. They're, they don't have these almond eyes that you see. Like the grays. Uh, in the drawing. Uh, no, they don't. They, they have very human-looking eyes, except they're, they're bigger. That's, that's about it. Their arms are um, longer. Arms and fingers and legs are all longer. But they're very, very strong. They've been seen doing some... Uh, from ex- some extraordinary uh, physical feats of lifting certain things, and they uh, extremely fast runners. Um, and uh, anyway, that's uh, that's one type. And then they are are sm- there are smaller ones <clears throat> who are um, maybe four feet tall. They're lighter in color, and um, they have been seen together when they when they are seen together the the big ones and the little ones uh, a number of people have described uh the, their relationship as though it's parent and child um mm-hmm. you know they you know just like you'd see at a playground the 
the the tall ones are you know standing around you know, communicating however they do it and the little ones tend to be playing and uh so um that's that's what they look like and, and uh and this ahead. is and this is over uh this isn't just one or two cases you're talking about. Oh no, right? this is tons. this is like a huge trend you're seeing in yeah. all all this research, right? right? There's tons of them. Yeah. T- these things have been seen many many times, right? And um, they uh, they have taken uh, a few people, uh, and um, they willingly? they've not. Pardon me. Willingly. Uh no. Uh, they uh, they tend to they use their means of putting people down and, t- and bringing people up is the use of a, a blue beam that they have. They put they can put their people on the ground with blue beam, and they can uh, it's al- almost kind of like magnetic. They pull them they pull people toward them, but um, they're they haven't done it a lot. But they have taken some people. Uh, no one has been injured. No, you know, no one came back and said they were in any way injured, although a number of them did say that they did things to them that they thought were rather they were, thought were disgusting. Right. And they they none of them would go into details uh, as to what it was. But I would have to assume it's some sort of uh, very private probe <laughs> is uh, what I would guess, something like that. But anyway, there's been uh, no. Uh, no cases of anyone uh, being taken and uh, not brought back, and no one has been injured. So uh, they are they have give no indication that uh, you know they want to hurt anybody. Maybe the <laughs> maybe maybe uh, disgusting is a matter of perspective, you know. Uh, but yeah, it, that's what I was going to say too. Yeah, Depends on, right. Yeah. yeah. So anyway. Uh, that's, that's the deal with the, uh, the beings on board. Uh, Yeah. So, uh, which you expect to see ramp up in 2015. Pardon me. Yeah. Yeah. Which he expects to see more landing. You expect to see more. You're you're thinking there's more landings, right? Yeah. Yep. I think the, uh, I think the landings and the appearances are going to escalate in the United States. Uh, with with the uh, the half crew that they have now, um, they, I think as I said, I think they're they're done with the first phase with us, and they're uh, they're moving on somewhere. These things, I don't think, you know, I don't think they went home. Hmm. You know, they're on a mission. It, it is easy to see after the reading the book and talking to you, and and after all your research, it is easy to see uh, why you've come to this conclusion. I mean, I know people don't want to talk about that or people don't even want to mention it. Other shows don't even want to go there, but, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's, it's, it's Occam's razor to me after all that. Yep. Right. And, uh, you know, I've, I'm, I'm not afraid of, you know, criticism. No, that's people good. yell at me. People yell at me. My parents just yell at me a lot. I guess they got me ready for this. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I, I can defend what, what I say. Yeah, no, that's good. I mean, I appreciate your, all your research and also appreciate you coming on to talk to us about it. And maybe you can, uh, you can keep us in the, in the loop here on, uh, on that, uh, that fundraising database when that starts yeah, up, because I'll, I'll put something in there myself for sure. And then we'll, okay. we'll, we'll link to it in the show notes and everything. And also maybe, uh, maybe you can come back and give us a little update in a few months or half a year when, uh, sure. and, you know, where see where you're at with that. 
Okay. Yeah. Well, keep the light on for me. As yeah. they <laughs> Is there anything else you want to mention before we uh, wrap it up? Uh, no, other than the fact I will send you that extraordinary word picture I have. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, you know, it's a one of a kind where you actually see multiple vehicles in an orb and some of them are leaving. It's, it's extraordinary. Yeah, it really yeah. is. Yeah, for sure. I have, I have it, uh, framed. Is, is the case <laughs> from that picture in your book? Uh, no, it came out, uh, you know, I, I was assigned to that case about, uh, a month and a half after my book came out. Oh, okay. Too bad. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. All righty. Okay. Well, thanks a lot uh, for coming on. It was a great chat. Okay, it was guys. Really, it yeah. was really fun. Yeah. Yep. I thought so. So anytime you want to do it, we'll get a beer and do it. All yeah. Right. Yeah. We'll have to, uh, when the, <laughs> when the worldwide book comes out, we'll have to, we'll have to jump all over that. Yeah. Right. Uh, well, it's, I'll be working on it. And welcome back to the Grand America Show. That was our chat with Terry Ray and the invasion of the orange orbs. Yeah, that was a fun one. I, I that was a good it. one. Yeah. Uh, little stuck on the ET thing, I think. But other than that, you are Terry. Oh well, it's I can see why, man. If you did all that research and you come up with that, what other option? It's really the most logical solution in a lot of ways, right? What else? Occam's Razor. Right? I think so. I mean, people don't want to admit that. I suppose, the, but they're still. I don't know. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. I, I'm not saying it is. I'm just saying you, you got to admit it kind of leans that way. What if Occam's razor is still, I don't know. You don't know? Maybe the easiest explanation is you don't, you don't fucking know? know. Yeah, but that's not. That's an not, option? No, that's not Maybe that's option. the problem. Well, I, I'm admitting I don't know. I'm just saying it points to that, right? It it's good, though. He's done more research than me, so I'll, I'll take his word for it. He's done but more I'm research still, on a lot of people in the field. I'm so. still a little out on the ET hypothesis. Yeah. Well, even some of the Cometa report in France, some of the uh, other countries' governments uh, and their sort of organizations, pseudo-government organizations, have come out and said that they think that this is a an ET thing too. You know, it's, so it's uh, I don't know. It's interesting. And like we were talking about in the intro, that's probably why he's not getting embraced by the UFO community. Or he might be. I mean, I, I don't know if he is or not. I should, Did we talk about that a bit? Yeah, I we did a we bit. Did, yeah. Yeah. But I mean, uh, I just don't hear a lot about it. That's all. You know, and yet to me, it's kind of, it's kind of reached a new, a new paradigm in, in the research. We have the data now and you can slice and dice it and make graphs out of it and all that. And It's a sweet looking book too. I recommend you pick it up. Yeah, it's, it's nice looking. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, and big so, thanks to yeah. Terry for coming on. Yeah, really appreciate it. Looking forward to hearing more about his uh, his research coming up. I mean, yeah. I think he's going to stick with that the orb stuff, maybe globally. So that would be interesting. Yeah, and of course we will be live next week, Tuesday. Well, I guess this is probably not come out till a couple of days before, but Tuesday, February third. Yeah, we're doing our hundred and first episode spectacular, starting at ten p.m. Eastern. It'll probably be a long one, so drop by any time throughout. Yeah. We just come hang out. Yeah. 
And then, yeah, I don't think we need to talk about much more than that. Um, well, we have uh, Paula Hellier's episode coming out soon. And yeah, then, that'll come out next. No, that'll come out next week. Will be the hundred first episode, and then Paul Hellier will be the first episode with a number. Yeah, and then we've got Ed Nightingale on February tenth at ten p.m. Eastern, and he's the author of the Giza Template. Um, it's uh, oh, I meant to put a subtitle in there too. I'm gonna have to add that. Anyways, that's it on the backstage too. And then we've also got uh, this guy called Art, Dr. Art Markman coming on about uh, breaking your habits. That should be interesting. Should be fun. And that's on the 24th. Yeah, so join us next week. Thanks for hanging out for uh, 100 shows. Yeah. Uh, support the show. 100% listener supported. Grammerica.ca slash moneybomb. Leave us a review. Grammerica.ca slash iTunes. Yes, those really help. Yeah. Uh, follow us on Twitter at Grimerica, like us on Facebook, and spam Graham. G-R-A-H-A-M at Grimerica.com. Graham. I feel like I'm missing something. Sign up for yeah, the newsletter. Oh, T-shirt if you donate uh, 20 bucks or 25 bucks. 25 I'll bucks. send you a T-shirt. We only have larges and one medium left. Yeah. And sign up for the newsletter, Grimerica.ca slash news. You already signed up. You know some people's email addresses. Sign, sign them, up. them up. Hey, sign up your whole address book if you're bored at work. That's right. America.ca slash news. Thanks, Justin, for that. And thanks to Wayne Darnell for his continued support on the website. All right, guys. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. The internet. But if he's so smart, how come every internet address begins with W? W. Tell Tony Blair we're going alone. 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 Tell Tony, tell Tony. And I saw an airplane hit the tower. TV was obviously on, and I, I used to fly myself. And I said, well, "There's one terrible pilot." And I saw an airplane hit the tower. TV was obviously on, and I, I used to fly myself. And I said, well, "There's one terrible pilot." Terrible pilot, 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 terrible pilot. Our enemies are innovative and resourceful, and so are we. They never stop thinking about new ways to harm our country and our people, and neither do we. Tell Tony Blair we're going alone. Terrible pilot, 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 you want to call it I asked Americans to give 4,000 years, 4,000 hours over the next, or the rest of your life of service to America. That's what I asked. I said, 4,000 hours. Because for a century and a half now, America and Japan have formed one of the great and enduring alliances. Because for a century and a half now, America and Japan have formed one of the great and enduring alliances. It'll take time to restore chaos, but we, but we will.
It'll take time to restore chaos, but we but we will. Terrible power. Terrible power. Terrible power. You say we're headed to war in Iraq. I don't know why you say that. I hope we're not headed to war in Iraq. I'm the person who gets to decide, not you. You say we're headed to war in Iraq. I don't know why you say that. I hope we're not headed to war in Iraq. I'm the person who gets to decide, not you. We will not have an all-volunteer army. And yet this week, we will have an all-volunteer army. We will not have an all-volunteer army. And yet this week... We will have an all-volunteer army. We're not going to go alone like this president did. To you the tell Tony press. Blair we're going alone. Tell Tony Blair we're going alone. Tell Tony... We're not going to go alone like this president did. To you the tell Tony press. Blair we're going alone. Tell Tony Blair we're going alone. Tell Tony... I'm honored to uh, shake the hand of a brave Iraqi citizen who had his hand cut off by Saddam Hussein. saw an airplane hit the tower. The TV was obviously on, and I, I used to fly myself, and I said, well, there's one terrible pilot. And I saw an airplane hit the tower. The TV was obviously on, and I, I used to fly myself, and I said, well, there's one terrible pilot. And I saw an airplane hit the tower. The TV was obviously on, and I, I used to fly myself, and I said, well, there's one terrible pilot. And I saw an airplane hit the tower. The TV was obviously on, and I, I used to fly myself. And I said, well, there's one terrible pilot. If this were a dictatorship, it'd be a heck of a lot easier. <laughs> Just so long as I'm the dick. So long as I'm the dick. So long as I'm the dick. I'm a rambling gram with synchronicities all over the web. And Darren is skeptical about everyone And don't 